taken the lead. A lovely free kick found the head of the Birmingham City captain. It's a dangerous ball, it's a looping header, and it's a goal against the run of play for Birmingham City. Abby Grant. It's a lovely finish into the top corner. Guided in by Lucy Whip. Just gently lofted out of the reach of the keeper. Might be another chance for another goal. Cracking save by Hampton. Welcome everyone to the Greats in 68 podcast, the dedicated weekly women's football show about all things Birmingham City. I'm Craig Hadley and I'm joined this week by Chris Pugh and Stacey Smith. We'll start with the returning Chris. How has your time away from the pod been, Chris? Feeling refreshed? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, Craig. Yeah, been a, a, a few uh, a few things going on on the weekends, but yeah, all, all back now, hopefully. Glad to hear it. How about you, Stacey? Had a good week? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Craig. Yourself? Yeah, it's not been too bad. Started my uh, antenatal classes this week, so that was that was fun. Zoom Zoom calls oh, were plenty. Exciting. Yeah, few few months now. We'll get there. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we begin this week's show with an international roundup. Chloe McCarran played for Northern Ireland against the Faroe Islands. She got an assist in a six 0 win for Northern Ireland. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get through to the Euros, but they're d- decent enough performance and obviously ending up, ending on a high, Chris. Yeah, I think obviously can't can't make the Euros now, but you know when when you come up against a, a side w- which you should be beating, you want to do it with um with a bit of a bit of a flourish, and and it looks like they did that. Scored six goals, and and Chloe involved in in one of them, obviously. So that hopefully will give her give her some good confidence upon her return to to Blues. Yeah, absolutely. She she struggled a bit in the first game when she played for us, and obviously any 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 um, game that you have a chance to bounce back and get the confidence back is going to be good for the team going forward. Also in action was Hannah Hampton, who played for England B against England A in the the recent game between the two England sides. Chris has shaken his head. What's the point? What's the point? You know they gave a Player of the Match award for an inter-squad friendly. <laughs> Honest to God. If this was America against America, you'd probably sit down and watch that game, Chris. It was it, it's two decent enough sides to watch. It wasn't it wasn't as friendly as you'd expect. There was a few tackles flying in. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. They're not playing anybody at the moment, so it's it's good to get a bit of competitive action going, I suppose. But I'm I'm not having countdowns to kick off and you know player of the matches being awarded for inter squad friendlies. No way, no way. We we take the, the rumours that Phil Neville and managed the the losing team. You happy with that, Chris? <laughs> I mean, that's not a massive shock. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, as I was saying, uh, yes, uh, Hannah Hampton was involved. She played. This was a weird thing. It was thirty-five minute halves as well, Chris. You won't enjoy. It won't, won't be happy with that, about that. Thirty-five minute halves. So she played all seventy minutes, which is a weird, weird in itself. She made one decent save. There was a, a one mistake that I saw leading up to, to, the, uh, to one of the goals for Ellen White. But again, it wasn't, as you say, it was a 3 0 win for the home team. The team which the captain was on lost. So I don't know what that says, but. Absolutely nothing. Exactly. It says absolutely nothing. <laughs> we've, learned, we've learned nothing apart from Fran, Fran Kirby's back to her best. Also in action was Harriet Scott, who. No, she wasn't. She, she would have been in action if she'd played. She was on the bench. She didn't come on in this one uh, in a game where Republic of Ireland took on Germany and they lost 3-0. Unfortunately, Ireland have now lost the top spot in their Euro group, but they've, been, they've, they've played decently this year under, their, um, under the manager, Chris. And uh, obviously, Harriet probably was focused on her studies. I think there was an Instagram post that she was um, doing some studying while she was over there in Germany. 
but traveling with the, with the squad, she shows that camaraderie, I suppose, and she's involved even though she didn't come on. Yeah, and look, I think Harriet this year has got all credit to her and how how she how she does her studying along with blues along with republic of ireland travels as well is you know it's it's thoroughly commendable that that she's got you know the the commitment and focus and drive to get to go along with it um obviously you know she she went along she didn't play but you know playing against the some of the best in the world that the island did against Germany, albeit in defeat. Hope that even though you've you've been defeated, you take some valuable lessons from a game like that. Yeah, absolutely, and it it just goes to show her character. Obviously, some players pull out of squads due to like niggling and in- injuries and stuff, but she's got loads of stuff on, and she still made it made the trip over for Ireland. So, credit to her. Before we move on to the great debate this week, I'd like to briefly talk about a recent conversation we had as members of the Birmingham City Women's Supporters Group with Carla Ward, our manager. Without going into any details, I thought it would be a good uh, to give our listeners our thoughts on how Carla came across going into the rest of the season. Chris, how about you kick us off? What did you think? Absolutely top class from Carla. Um, I have to say, um, you know, to, to to come on and and give give supporters you know an hour, an hour and a half of her time. Um, you know, she didn't have to do that. She was brutally honest, very open, very honest took any question, didn't shirk any questions. I don't think even some tricky ones from absent members of this podcast. But uh, no, I thought I thought she was excellent. Um, and I think a lot of the stuff she said, you know, is it's exactly what you want to hear at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a tough season. We've got a young group of players that that haven't played together very often. But but what you want to hear then is that y- your manager and, and and the people around that squad are. Are people and they understand that that these young girls are, are you know are, are individuals their their characters in their own nature and they need treating differently sometimes uh, and I think Carla understands that and I think from from the from the conversation that we had you know I, I'm confident that these players will gain a hell of a lot over the over the coming year um, working under Carla and and if it was me I'd be I'd be really excited to play under Carla as well you know you'd imagine she's the sort of the sort of coach that players would, would run through a brick wall for. So no, I was I was really appreciative and and also very impressed with what she had to say. Yeah, I would agree. She came off cross uh, very likable, very honest, realistic in her goals for the season. And you could tell that she cared for these players and wanted them to do well not for not for just for her, but for themselves as well. What about you, Stacey? What did you think? Uh I, I pretty much agree with Chris. I think Chris said pretty much all of it that needs to be said like um she was very brutally honest. Um, like you said, she didn't shy away from questions at all. I felt coming out of it, I know that we're going to be in for a long, hard season. I think, let's be honest, none of us were ever going to think we were going to be pushing top four, finish or anything like that. But I think we need to stick with Carla. And I think as soon as us fans can get back into stadiums, we need to be able to back the team. We're not going to win every game. We might not even draw every game, but as long as the team are giving 100%, then we'll be moving in the right direction. And obviously, Carla was very frank of that's what we've got to work towards. Now is becoming a team again and wanting to work for each other and work for the shirt. So I'll be over the moon to be able to get back in and hopefully support the girls as for as much of the season as we can. Agreed. We wish Carla the best of luck for the rest of the season, as, as well as the players, and hopefully these conversations between the members of the club and the fans continue in the future. 
If you're a Birmingham City women fan and haven't read what she had to say, go to the Birmingham City Women Supporters Group Twitter or Facebook pages and there'll be a link to sign up to our newsletter there. You'll then receive the first email with notes from that meeting with Carla Ward. We now get on to the great debate for this week. For those unaware, Borussia Dortmund was one of the last big European sides to not have a women's side and there had been calls for them to create one. Earlier this month, Managing Director Carsten Kramer announced they would be forming a women's side and beginning life in the Kressliga B Westfalen, which is the eighth tier of German football. He went on to say that Dortmund had to be authentic and organic. Birmingham City began as a club in 1968, the women's side at least, and started in the West Midland Regional League, which was the lowest tier at the time. Elsewhere in England, Manchester United reformed in 2018 and went straight into the second tier of English football, the new women's championship. Hashtag United, the YouTube football sensations recently took over at AFC Basildon in the fourth tier of English football. In Spain, Real Madrid went one step further by purchasing top flight side CD Tacon and rebranded them in their own image. CD Tacon uh, might be familiar to some Blues fans as the side that Marta Tejador previously managed in the Spanish second tier. Now with the examples out of the way, we'll come to the debate. Is Borussia Dortmund doing the right thing by starting from the bottom? We'll kick it off with your thoughts, Chris. Are they doing the right thing um, morally? Yes. I suppose respecting the the women's football pyramid, yes. I, th- I think the, the women's league in Germany is is a pretty strong one. Very, very good players in there, you know. But ultimately, you've got Wolfsburg and, and Bayern Munich who are, who are at the head of that league. Finances will, will ultimately drive all. Whether whether there's a rebranding in, in Germany, I don't know. And, and Dortmund get a little bit of a push that way. But obviously, if, we, if, we, if we're going to be discussing whether it's right and whether other clubs should have should have given the boost that they they did is is another matter the question is it did they do the right thing i i would probably say yes in fairness to the to the teams that are already around and and the division that you know that they've come in as their own club they've they've started a new club and 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 really you should you should work your way up from the bottom in in a, a perfect morally correct way yeah it's obviously a team that don't have history in the women's game, but obviously they have a big name in, in football and obviously they could have easily probably tried to get into a higher league, Stacey, but obviously they've gone about things a different way. What what do you think about, about that decision? Pretty much agree with Chris. I think it's the right one. Um, it's not like they've took a team over like some of the other ones you mentioned previously, like Madrid taking over and uh, I believe AC Milan took over Brescia in Italy as well. Um, so they obviously the big their big men's team side club of it have took over smaller teams and they've remained in them leagues that they were already in as someone else I suppose you could liken it to when not took over Lincoln and they were again remained in whatever league they were in do I feel that if you are creating a team out of nothing it shouldn't matter what your name is like you said hashtag United Dortmund, it shouldn't matter. You should start at the bottom of the football pyramid and work your way up. Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree. Obviously, there's different ways to go about it. Is there a right way to do things, Chris? I, obviously, we mentioned the uh, Real Madrid, Manchester United, hashtag United. They've all done it in different ways. But uh, as as you um, went on to say earlier, is, is that the right way, starting from the bottom, no matter what? Or is there circumstances that you can see that teams are uh, understandable to start higher up? Or do you think it's always best to start the bomb? 
again in a, in a perfect world you, you start at the bottom and work your way up you know if if all of a sudden I inherited 100 million pounds and wanted to start my own football team I wouldn't get a place in the championship you know a men's football team I wouldn't I wouldn't get a place in the championship I'd have to start at the very bottom and work my way up that's the way it is because in the in the English men's game there is a a perfectly acceptable and and understood structure of men's football that works and has worked for years with let's use the Man United for an example the the women's game for five six years now has been going only one direction a women's if you like Barclays Premier League that is what that is what FA I think personally want because it will attract more sponsors and it will attract more fans. I think that's what neutrals of of the women's game really want. You know, they want to see the the big the big names in in the men's game come in and um, and spend money and bring the best players in the world to the to the league. And that's been happening for 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 years now. So when Man United come in, there is not not from my point of view and probably not from anybody's point of view on this podcast. But there is a need for Manchester United in in the top tier or the top two tiers, which is why they were given a push. It's why Man City were given a push when they when the new WSL licenses came in. It's why nobody nobody minded about Real Madrid completely buying a different club, as as Stacey mentioned about AC Milan completely bought taking over a different club, because there's a there's a need and a demand and a want for it from from people who who run that league, not from supporters like us, but but we don't we don't count and we don't nobody cares what we think. So so that's why it's different. Whereas in Germany, maybe Dortmund would have got a push if they'd have demanded it. Maybe they would have done. But fair play to them. They've said no. We'll we'll, we'll respect the the pyramid and and we'll we'll start from the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I think in Germany, in particular, they've got a, a different type of football culture over there. Obviously, the fifty plus one rule, where fans have a yeah, fan ownership. Say yeah, in terms mm. of the German league, and perhaps that prevented Dortmund from jumping straight into the top flight had they tried. But it, it's an interesting one. Obviously, you mentioned teams in England. The, the structures changed so much over the last decade or so, where teams can essentially buy their way into the top league. And there was a, there was a debate at the time with United should they start in the top league from the get-go? And they obviously didn't in the second league. Some might have argued that they should have started lower than that as well, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's history now and we've got to live with what, what happens. And uh, Stacey, um, obviously, but Bruce Dortmund won't have to fund them too much when they're in the eighth tier, obviously, with the facilities they'll need at that sort of level. Do you think, from a cynical point of view, that that might be one of the reasons they didn't start higher up so they don't have to spend too much too soon? Possibly. Obviously, they're going to have to spend money in creating a team. They all have to look at bringing staff in. Where are they going to play? It's it's not going to happen overnight. Man United already had foundations there. So, you know, they had the academy. Mm. So their foundations were already in place. As Dortmund, it is literally out of nowhere. So I'm assuming that they're going to be looking at building a, an academy for young girls as well to be able to, like they do now, produce talent from a young age. Um, that's what the men's side is predominantly known for. So I think maybe it was a factor dropping and making starting so low down so that they can spend the money on getting the facilities right and then over time then maybe gradually build up as they perhaps progress through the leagues. That's when they might be able to invest more money and... I think it would be more of a long-term project. 
Yeah, I think what what Stacey said there about the reputation that Dortmund as as a men's club have as well for for not buying you know players for ridiculous amounts and and just bring you know they they do like to to nurture their own they like to to buy people young and improve them and sell them on for profit if that's the that's the ethos of the club that's the, you know that's the the foundations that the club is built on if they want to do that for the women's side as well then it would be a lot easier to start at a low level bring players in that will you know, and nurture players that will be successful at that level, and and keep them getting promoted. But in the in the meantime, getting in place the right the right structure, the right training complexes, and and everything like that for them for for these young players to develop and and improve as well. Because that's that's what Dortmund stand for as a club, whether it be men or women. Hopefully, that's the way they go down. Because I, I think that'll be good to see, and and in six or seven years' time, you might see that. The same players that got them promoted in the eighth tier are still there in in the in in the top division. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, uh, players who are just growing up now. They've. I, I did some research in preparation for this. There was. I think there's three players who play in the Bundesliga currently, who are from Dortmund in in uh, where they were born. And obviously, that's not that many compared to how many teams there are in Germany. But obviously, the more Borussia Dortmund grow as a team in the women's game, the more likely people will from the local area come up through the team and hopefully yeah, definitely, we'll see yeah. more of them in the future in the, in the first team. And yeah, starting so low down, they've got more chance if they get good players in to win trophies and then create their own history, so to speak. And before reaching the top flight with the right backing, of course, from a team like Borussia Dortmund, it's going to be interesting to see how they do over the course of the next decade, if they can achieve their goal of becoming a Bundesliga club or Fran Bundesliga club as, as it is. So any, any final thoughts on this before we move on? If Man United would have turned around and said, we're happy being in the fifth tier, I have a funny feeling the FA would have said, oh, you sure you don't want to be in the top two tiers? You know, because because the, the demand and the desire for Manchester United to to be a big club in the women's game was there from the FA and and people within women's football. That that, that was what. That is what has been wanted for for a long time. It's again, it's why Man City were were boosted. It's why nobody raised an eyebrow when Liverpool went from bottom to winning back to back titles because they decided to throw a bit of money into it. And it's good for sponsors. It's good for the. It's good for selling the women's game in this country. If you've got big men's clubs being successful in the women's game. So yeah, I, I believe Casey Stoney said it would be last season would it would have been a travesty if Liverpool had been relegated. There you go. And they're doing okay. So not but not not for football reasons, for for sponsorship and financial reasons, yeah. Exactly. Well if they put money in, back into the club they'll get back up again. So I'm sure they will. That's all for part one. Coming up after the break we preview Blues's FA Cup quarterfinal with Brighton and reveal our score predictions. Welcome back to Great Sin 68. I'm here with Chris and Stacey. Birmingham City are back in action next Sunday as we travel once again to Brighton and Hove Albion. This time, though, the stakes are raised with an FA Cup semi-final place on the line. Brighton won 2-0 earlier this month with goals from Megan Connolly and Anessa Kagman. We saw a much improved performance against Manchester United, Chris, compared to the Brighton game. Do you expect to see a lot more from us this time around? Um, yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, what happened at Brighton in the league as well sort of gives me gives me a bit more confidence that 
we'll put put those wrongs right, if you like. Um, you know, obviously, nil nil at half time. I think we'd have been we were pretty content at that point, but the second half wasn't wasn't what we wanted it to be. I don't think it was what the manager and the players wanted it to be either. So there'll be there'll be a a drive and a desire from within the group to 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 right those wrongs. And obviously, there's there's a it's a huge coup at the end of it you know, to a potential home tie in an FA Cup semi-final. So there's everything to play for. And, and I think the the group will be determined to, to to improve on that performance in the league. Absolutely. I went in the history books today, just doing a bit of research, and Carl Award made the FA Cup semi-finals back in 2005 as a player with Bristol Rovers and could repeat that feat as a manager on Sunday. Also, in a strange turn of events, that, that could possibly be the first in history of a women's FA Cup where a, t- a manager has managed a team that's been knocked out by a former side of the competition in the same season. So obviously, Birmingham City, of course, knocked out Sheffield United back in January, and now she's taking uh, control of Birmingham City in the same FA Cup competition, which, which, which I don't think has ever happened before. But then Nine months apart. The pandemic yeah, has never happened yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely mental. And Carla will be up against a familiar face to many in the form of Hope Powell. The two-time FA Cup winner is best known for her time with England, but she's shown that she can handle the pressure at the top level domestically with Brighton. She masterminded a nil-nil draw at Manchester City last weekend, neutralising the likes of Ellen White, Sam Mewis, Lucy Bronze, Caroline Weir, and the list goes on. With no disrespect to Brighton, I didn't think anyone expected that result going into the weekend. What a great performance from the Seagulls, Stacey. Yeah, it was... um... It was a great performance. To uh, as you said, I don't think anyone expected it. But then, when you you look at the couple of games that have been played in the league and some of the results, you I, I wasn't expecting. I mean, we was obviously we were beat by Man United, but we scored two goals against them. We looked more solid. Yet Chelsea could only score one past them the week before. Brighton obviously they beat us two 0 but then went to Man City and drew nil nil. So it's like where we're looking at it from an outside point of view and going, oh, we should be winning that game or blah, blah, should be beating blah, blah. I think just them two games alone this season has shown that maybe we can't predict it as much. Maybe we weren't giving Brighton enough credit the first game of the season. But then again, as we've said last week, I think we settled as a team a lot more against Man United. So I think it'll be an interesting game, I think. Um, but I do, I do think Hope Powell's got them very well organised this year. So I think it'll be a tough game, but I think it'll be a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Birmingham City's record against the Seagulls hasn't actually been that great since they won promotion to the WSL. We need to be smart on Sunday. If we switch off, Brighton will punish us as they did earlier this month. Blues have scored just once from open play against Brighton in four matches now. But with an inform Claudia Walker, hopefully we can change that next weekend. We are without a win in our last three matches, but the shining light is our last, last win came in the FA Cup, which was against Sunderland. We had just one shot on target last time out against Brighton, Chris. We know Megan Walsh is a great keeper, but she's going to look even greater if we don't give her anything to do. Yeah, well, you won't notice her if we don't give her anything to do. But yeah, um, yeah stats-wise, obviously, it's another clean sheet for her if we don't test her. But again, the, the way we played in that second half, you know, I think I think disappointed the, disappointed the manager, disappointed the players. I think they... That they were hoping for better than that in the second half. You know, probably, probably a, a fixture that they were looking at picking up points from in in the league. So um, they'll know what to expect from Brighton. Brighton will know what to expect from us as well. But we've had another four weeks or so since since we've played them. Um, 
three or four weeks for for new players to bed in. I don't think obviously we didn't have Molly Green, did we, in the league game against them and and Destiny as well. So, but ultimately it'll be it'll be two sides that know each other pretty well um, from having played each other four weeks ago. But we, we've just got to be a bit more smarter and a bit a bit more defensively resolute and and cut out cut out the mistakes that we made um, in that second half. Yeah, absolutely. And possibly we might see Abby Grant play a few minutes against Brighton, which will be great to see because we haven't seen her this season so far. Brighton played a 4-3-3 formation against us before switching to a more defensively 4-2-3-1 against Man City. We can see that willingness to adapt from Hope Howell's side when it comes to different opponents. Given they won last time out, do you expect uh, Brighton to come out, come at us from the kickoff, Stacey? Given that they beat us last time? Oh, 100%. I mean, they, they came at us straight off the bat I felt last time we played them I think that's how they feel that they probably play best against us um, I'm assuming it's the, they will probably attack the game in a similar fashion to the way they did when we played them in the league um, I think we'll probably set up in a similar fashion but uh, again like you said Abby might be back um, we was like Chris said we was out without Molly and Destiny the first time Emma Kelly also didn't play last time we played them. Neither did Rachel Corsi. So even in the few weeks, like the team is going to be completely different from our point of view. Absolutely. And I think the performance against United, at least in the first half, will give us a lot of confidence going into this game on yeah. Sunday. Prediction time. It's that time again. Our weekly match predictions as we predict the scores for our upcoming Birmingham City matches. Currently, Chris is in last place, but fresh from his time away. Let's see if he can get some points on the board. Chris, what do you predict the score will be on Sunday? And can we have a scorer from you as well? Yeah, uh, can I just say, am I last because you've given me no points from my uh, weekend? Yeah, you didn't predict anything. You didn't send me anything. Yeah. So I'm not allowed anything. Okay, fair enough. That's if you don't give me a prediction, I can't give you any points. <laughs> well, not even one for like a you know just for just for being around somewhere. Um, to be fair, Kaz was going to get me one earlier, and she forgot to give me her predictions as well. Uh, so yeah, that's all right. Snooze, you lose. I think she, she doesn't get one either. That's fine. Um, let's be confident. I will say one-one, and uh, Blues will. Go through on penalties. I'm going to give you a bonus point if we win on penalties because that that's okay. a very good. Do you want Do you want to name the scorer as for another chance for another oh, point? Okay, what well, did I say? One one. <laughs> um, it will be Molly Green. Molly Green. Okay. How about you, Stacey? I'm going to be confident, more confident than Chris. I'm going to say we're going to win two one. And the scorer? I'm going to go with. I think Abby Grant might come on and score the winning goal for us. Abby Grant. Very good. I will go for another Birmingham City win and I'm going to say 2-1 with Claudia Walker getting another goal. And that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Stacey and Chris for joining me. You've been listening to the Greats in 68 podcast and from all of us, thanks for listening and remember to keep right on.